This is MSF Torah. It's not just a podcast. It's an in-depth analysis of the fundamentals of Torah. Presenting the truth as seen through the eyes of the Torah. Don't forget to follow the podcast, visit our website at msoftorah.com and join Patreon for exclusive content. When we take a look at anything in the world, we can always ask ourselves how it got to where it got to. How did it get this way? It once did not exist, now it does exist. What changed it? What caused it to come into existence? And the truth is there are two answers, potential answers to such a question. One answer is that it was designed, it was brought into the world by an intelligence. The other answer is that it got there by chance. Those are pretty much the only two possibilities. Now, you can have a mixture of the possibilities. Part of it was design, part of it was accident. But those are the two possibilities. Either it was designed with intelligence, some other force brought this thing, whatever it is, into existence. And the other possibility is that it came into existence by accident. Now, even there, we need another force to bring it into existence. But we'll leave that particular point aside. We just want to know whether a thing in the world was brought into into existence by accident or by design. Now, as an aside, I think we have to establish something that I think we're going to work with, and it has to be true, and everybody seems to take this as a, as a truth, my knowledge, which is that nothing really can create itself. If you have nothing at some point, and then later on you have something, you cannot argue that that thing which was created actually created itself. You can't have the something be the cause of itself. There must be something outside of that thing which brought into into existence. Nothing can come from nothing. So you need something else of it to bring into existence. Again, this is a logical axiom that, to the best of my knowledge, everybody has accepted, and we're going to work with that from now on. So now, when it comes to asking the question of the world, where did the world come from? We could ask ourselves the following question, which is, is it logical to assume the world was designed, or is it logical and rational to assume the world came by accident? Again, those are there are two possibilities. Either everything in the world was created, by, by accident, or it was created by design. Again, you can have a mixture of them, but those are the two inherent options that you have. Either it was accident, or it was by design. Now, if I ask a question about a car, and I say, ask you, where do you think the car came from? Most of us, hopefully, would answer that it was designed by somebody else. And I ask you a question, by a house, also designed. What about the building? What about a computer? What about anything, pretty much? I think most of us, the ones who are normal, would say, that this is, this all was designed by an intelligence. Now, why is that? Why do we tend to intuit that things come from design? Why did everybody assume, and again, I'm assuming what people will say, but I think this is pretty standard, that people will say that it all came from design. Why did people assume that it comes from design as opposed to randomness, chaos, chance, or accident? Again, if I ask you who built your house, no one in their right mind is going to say, who said somebody built it? Maybe it was completely accident. Maybe there was a bunch of wood and bricks and then the wind came and took it. Nobody would say such a thing. Besides for the issue that in our particular case, that there's another issue of where did all these materials come from, we're going to leave that particular point aside right now. Let's even assume I could give you the materials. Nobody would say that it came by accident. So let's point this out right away. That if I ask you in any area of life where these things come from, why something exists, everybody would respond and intuit right away that it comes from something 
intelligence that there was designed it was created on purpose as opposed to accident we, w- we there are some things in the world that are created as it were by accident we can look at certain things and say there was no design to this thing but most things that have a function or purpose which we're going to define later on people would say right away that they are created not by accident rather by design now why is this true why are most people assuming that this is that this is true right away. And the first point I want to make is that when I ask the question to people, they tend to give these answers. But then when I bring it to the world, in other words, I say, well, who built your house? Who built the car? Everybody there can agree that it was designed. But then when I say, okay, so why wouldn't you say the same thing by the world? There people tend to overthink. Now, just as, an as a little bit of a disclaimer, I think that this topic is is a very simple thing. It's really not such a difficult concept to understand, to accept that the world came by design as opposed to accident. I think it's much harder to accept that the world came by accident. It does not mean that people won't give ideas and, and logical concepts explaining how accident can produce the world. I don't mean to say that it's impossible that people will say such a thing. I just think that it's very, it seems to be a very simple matter and there's a strength to that argument that in, in its simplicity, it's very hard to accept the fact that something so wonderfully designed without, you know, already coming to the verdict before the trial, but something that has so much purpose and meaning in the world, i.e. that, that accomplishes so much, it's very easy to accept that it came from design and not from an accident. I think it's much harder to accept that it come from accident, but still, and the, the proof for that is that when I ask for anything else in the world, a computer, a car, an airplane, everybody simply says that it was designed. And then yet, when I bring it over to the world, all of a sudden, people have a difficulty in saying the same thing. Now, I personally think, which we'll get to later on, the difficulty stems from the fact that they under, they understand what the answer should be. The answer should be God, then that obligates certain things. That there's two aspects of the God which we discussed. One is a God who is a creator. One is a God who is a lawgiver and the one who runs the world as well. The arbiter of morality. I think people have a problem, more of a problem with the God as a lawgiver or God as the moral God, less so a problem as God of, of a creator. But I think if you just divorce that point, just leave it aside for now and just ask the question of, God as creator, can you accept that the world was designed? I think it's a pretty easy question that most people, I think, would be willing to answer that, yeah, it makes a lot more sense that the world was designed rather than it came by accident. However, people do have a tendency to overthink certain things. People have a tendency to overcomplicate very simple things. There are many things in the world right now that are simply being overcomplicated for no reason. And I think this is one of them. But we're going to leave that point out, so, which is really why we have to discuss and flush out all these points is because it has been made overcomplicated. I think, again, I think it's very simple, though. In other words, if a person would come out of this and just would want to summarize everything that we're saying over here, I would say the easiest way to understand it is if I ask you who made this shirt, you would say somebody made it. If I say who made the house, you'd say somebody made it. So the same thing with the world. Why would you not say that by the world? That's in, in the executive summary what we're trying to do here. The only reason why we have to spend so much time is because it becomes overcomplicated. People have a tendency to do things, overthink things, bring in these other pieces of logic, talk about chance, talk about this, talk about that, which we're going to speak about. But I think in, in its in its essence, I think it's a very simple argument, which is that um, things tend to, things that are purposeful always show a designer, and the same thing should be for the world as well. Now we're going to go back to this. We're going to 
break down everything because again like i said we have to since people do overthink and overcomplicate this we actually have to speak out why i think they're wrong now there are really two reasons why somebody when i ask them why you would say a car was created by a designer why you would say why would you say that as opposed to saying that it was accidental. So the two reasons are really from experience and from logic. And we're going to go through one by one. And these things are not mutually exclusive. They're both true. So why is this? Why, why do we say this? So the first thing is that we experientially know that everything that has purpose that accomplishes something was designed by intelligence. I know that I, I never seen somebody create a computer. I've never seen somebody at a car manufacturing factory create a car, but I've seen other things. I've seen people make this. I've seen people make that. Or I know through other people that there were people who made this. And I have no reason to doubt that. So then my experience tells me that just like all those things were intelligently designed, so too anything else that has a purpose or function should also be intelligently designed. That you would think such a thing. And again, we're going to define what purpose and function means. But for now, we'll, we'll leave it aside. I think people can intuit what it means. Obviously, we understand that a dust... A uh, wind blowing dust is not purposeful. We understand that a computer is purposeful and functional, so we'll just leave the definition for later on. But for now, we understand that anything that was pur uh, purposeful or function based on experience, we would know that anything else, uh, that it was designed, and therefore we could assume that anything else that has function was designed as well. Why would we say anything different about the world? Why would we say anything different about a person's, a human being's body, the eye, the heart, the brain? There's more complicated, more purposeful, and more functional than any computer in the entire world, most of these organs. So why would we think that this all came from accident if we're willing to say everything else that we know did not come from an accident? So that, I think, is a very strong argument. Now, let me speak out what some like to respond to. That they, some respond with something called the black swan fallacy. The idea behind this is as follows, that if a person would see a bunch of swans and he would see, see that they're all white. So a person normally would tend to think that since all the swans I've seen in my experience are white, so therefore I could really extrapolate that information and I could assume that the other swans also in the world are also white. Yet, obviously that person would probably, I mean, I'd probably be wrong, could, could be wrong in his logic because just because your experience shows you one thing doesn't mean you have the right to extrapolate to a place where you haven't experienced it. In other words, just because all I've seen are white swans doesn't mean there can't be a black swan. So some like to respond and say, just because everything I've seen is designed intelligently does not mean that everything else has to be designed intelligently as well. Maybe there's a black swan out there. In other words, you can't prove something from experience. So again, my experience tells me that things that are functional and purposeful are created by intelligence. That doesn't necessarily mean that everything else is. That's one of the arguments that they bring. Now, the reason why I bring this up here, because this is an argument specifically designed to counter the proof brought by what we just said, i.e. the proof from experience, that experiential knowledge tells us that things that are designed, that things that are purposeful are designed. Now, let's speak out whether there's any validity to this argument at all or not. First of all, let's go through the definition. The definition as given by some is as follows. I'm going to read it to you. The tendency, the black swan fallacy is as follows. The tendency of people to ignore evidence that contradicts their beliefs and assumptions. So first of all, we're not really ignoring any evidence because there is no evidence to suggest that purposeful functional things can come into existence without a designer. When someone submits evidence for that, then they can let me know. But until that point, there's nothing that we're ignoring. The problem with this argument is that we ignore evidence feeds. 
we have an experience, evidence says something to the contrary, and we want to ignore that evidence because of our experience. That's not what's going on over here. There is no evidence at all that something functional can be created, quote-unquote, accidentally. They don't have any evidence for that. And all the evidence they try and give is obviously flawed, which we'll discuss later on. So there is no evidence that something functional can come out of accident randomness. So therefore, we're not ignoring ev- any evidence. So technically, this is not part, this is not a, a counterproof to what we've been saying. But this is, but there's more to this. Secondly, is as follows. This argument of the white swan fallacy is not necessarily, not at all, actually, a argument for the existence of a black swan. In other words, if I'm trying to ask the question of, well, I've seen a hundred white swans in my life and can I assume the next one is a black one? So the argument says, no, not necessarily. Just because your experience only shows you, only you only experience 100 white swans does not mean you could now extrapolate that to that there are only, to, to what I haven't experienced, i.e. what I don't know, and assume that there are only white swans. Maybe there's a black swan. So this argument is not an argument for a black swan. This is an argument just against the fact that the next one will be a white swan. So if I say I can know for sure the next one will be a white swan, then that you can say, respond and say, no, that's not necessarily true. There is no proposition being made to tell me why the next one will be black. It just explains to me why it does not have to be white. However, if I were to ask the following, if I were to rephrase and say, considering the fact that I've seen a 100 white swans and zero black swans, so what's most likely the color of the next swan? Is it going to be white or black? If I ask it that way, are you going to respond to me and says, well, just because you've only experienced white swans, you can't necessarily assume that there's a black one, and therefore it's more likely that there's a black one? Is the argument going to say that? Of course it's not. All the argument proposes to do, which is a fair argument, is to say that you can't always necessarily assume that just because I've experienced only one thing that I experience will carry carry weight across everywhere else, even where I haven't experienced it. You can assume a, something, a consistency, that there's always going to be white swans. You can't assume that. Fair. But if I ask you which one is more likely to be white or black, meaning which the next swan is it more likely to be white or black, what's the response to that? This argument does not say that it's more likely to be a black swan. Not at all. In fact, it makes a lot more sense to say that considering the fact that I've seen a hundred white swans, why should I assume that there's going to be another black swan? Now, I can't know that for sure, but like we discussed already, it doesn't make a difference what I can know for sure. Now, if I'm asking you what's more likely to be the next swan or color of the swan, the next swan that I see, I think the answer certainly is white. So in that case, our question is considering everything that we've seen, that everything that we know which has functionality or a purpose, we know comes from a designer. Now I'm asking on, let's say, an unknown item. Well, we're talking about the world, but let's just say, for, exa- for example, an unknown item which also has purpose and functionality. And I ask you, does that also c- come from design like the other hundred things or does it not? Well, you can't say to me, well, just because you've only experienced things from design doesn't necessarily mean that everything else comes from design as well. I would say to you, maybe yes, maybe no, but even if you're right, I would say it doesn't make a difference because we're trying to say what's more likely. Is it more likely that the 101st thing, that we don't know what it is, that is purposeful and functional, does it come from design or does not? I think it's much more likely to say and rational to say that it does come from design, even though I can't prove it, i.e. absolutely prove it, but it makes a lot more sense to assume that it does. And it's obviously much better than the white little swan analogy for different reasons, which we'll touch on. But even if it wasn't, it's the same thing. Again, it's more likely to say that it's a white swan than a black one, because I've seen a 100 white swans and zero black ones. So that's the second thing. That this doesn't propose an argument to say why it should be black, it just tries to counter it, and it might counter it to a certain extent that we can't prove it, but it doesn't counter it if I'm asking the question of what is more likely. 
So that's the second thing. The third thing is that we do use this method for many things. We do extrapolate. If I throw a ball against the wall a hundred times, and, I, and each time it bounces off in a certain way, so what am I going to ask you? What am I going to say about the hundred first time? Is it going to bounce the same way or not bounce the same way? Is it not logical to assume that it's going to bounce the same way the hundred first time? So now the question becomes, when is it safe to extrapolate when it isn't? So Really, the question is, is there a reason, let's go back to the swan analogy for a second, is there a reason to assume logically that there can't be a black swan out there? So the answer is no, there's nothing inherently in nature that dictates that there can't be a black swan, it's just simply my lack of experiencing one, that's my problem. But naturally, with all the causes, I don't see why I can't produce an effect of a black swan. But in the ball's case, the assumption is that it's going to, the same cause is going to yield the same effect, because the same causes are exactly, the causes are exactly the same across the, across the board. And if I do the hundred first time, the cause is going to be exactly the same. I'm expecting to use to yield the same effect. So what about our case? Our case is that when we see an effect, i.e., purpose and function, we always assume—not assume, but we've experienced, as it were, causes, i.e., causes that are intelligent design causes. Effects I, that are functional are always caused by causes that are designed. So now I'm asking if I see another effect, I see the world, let's say, or something else that is has the same attributes of all the other effects. And now I'm asking, what's the cause of this? Is it going to be the same cause as the 100 things, 100 causes out there that I know are intelligent design? Or is it going to be something else? Well, it's not exactly the same thing as the ball, but it's closer to the ball analogy than the white swan and the black swan, because there almost is something inherently that tells me accident and randomness don't produce purposeful effects, which we'll get to the logic of it in a moment. But we, you're now telling me that since I know, and, and it's more than that, actually, if you if you think about it the other way, think about it this way. If I bring to you a 100 causes of randomness, in other words, I show you 100 times where something happened by accident, what did it produce? Well, it produced something that had no purpose or effect. I could show you many, many things in this world that something happened by accident and the result was something without purpose and effect. So now you're going to ask me to assume that, well, maybe this time the cause, even though it was randomness or accident, actually does produce something of purpose, i.e. the world. That's something that's very illogical, actually. Now, I know people will obviously respond and say, well, give it enough time, then eventually, if you, enough accidents eventually the effect of enough accidents could potentially be purpose and function. Well, I will deal with that point, as it were, with a, at the appropriate time. But just realize that that's what's happening. We're asking that a hundred times, thousands of times, we've seen accident produce nothing but chaos and more randomness. And now you're asking me to assume that this time it wasn't like that way. It wasn't that way. Okay, so that's really, in short, we have that experience tells us that things that are purposeful or functional were created by design, intelligence, and that's very, very logical to assume. The second reason why we assume this is logic, and the first reason experience, second is logic. So one can argue that it's not only experience that allows us to make a judgment on whether this thing's designed or random, it's just simply logic. Things that, d let's put it this way, things that don't have intellect will not produce something of intelligence. I haven't seen a monkey yet try to attempt to write a book or create a computer, but I'm pretty sure I know how that's going to end. I'm pretty sure you also know that. Where, the question would be, logically, where would all the intelligence come if the cause didn't have it? If you have a cause creating something, an effect, if the cause is less intelligent than the effect, how exactly, how does that happen? How could that be? How could the effect have more intelligence than the cause? This is just simple logic. It's not only experience. Even if I wouldn't experience this, 
I could ask such a question. How could it be that something that's full of randomness and chaos with no intelligence can create a world or something full of intelligence? If I see a world full of intelligence, which we certainly do, then we certainly should expect that its source also has intelligence. So when I see an airplane, I know that the engineer had it designed already. He already thought about all the details of the airplane, how it's going to work, where it's going to put how it's going to be built, and so on and so forth. It was already planned out in his mind. All he had to do was bring it out into expression through builders and materials to bring the airplane. We all could know that. We understand that. But if you ask me to believe that a monkey who doesn't understand the first thing of aerodynamics or airplanes, can he produce an airplane? I would say that's ridiculous. I mean, maybe randomly, but why would I ever assume such a thing? Why would I ever think that's rational to assume such a thing? That if you randomly give a monkey a bunch of metal pieces... He'll put together an airplane. Give him enough time. Does that make it any better? If I ask you to give him millions of years, does it make it better he's going to produce an airplane or 10 airplanes? I, I don't think, I don't think it does. So it must be that whatever created the world also has the intelligence of that already. Just like by the designer, we under, the engineer, we understand that he has the intelligence of the airplane. Not, not in that sense. I mean to say is any intelligence that the airplane really has is really the designer really had. He understands how flight works and he just expressed it in by building an airplane. So I would say the same thing about the world, that whatever intelligence it, it produces, which is, by the way, human beings have all their intelligence. So where would all that intelligence come from? So the answer, again, very logically would seem another higher intelligence. That makes a lot more sense than to say that it randomly, it just came randomly. Again, if the you would never assume that a monkey could create an airplane, giving it, I don't care how much time you give it, I just don't think you would ever assume such a thing, and it's very irrational to assume such a thing, and that's because logically we don't think, we don't assume, for good reason, it doesn't make, well, let's put it this way, it doesn't make any sense to assume that something that has zero intelligence can produce something which has incredible amount of intelligence. This is a simple logic, it has nothing to do with experience. Now, I understand that there are those even famous, we call them atheists as well, that like to respond to this and say that you haven't solved anything this way because now the question is well if there's a higher intelligence creating the world then using your same logic there must be a higher intelligence creating that higher intelligence so if i say thing x created the world and it must be that thing x has much more intelligence in the world then maybe you solved that problem but you haven't solved the problem of who created thing x because your whole assumption is that if there's a certain amount of intelligence in the effect then the cause must have it as well so if the so if thing x which is the cause of the world has all that intelligence then something else must have created thing x so replace thing x with god that okay god created the world but now who created god now let me just point out that well, we will get there we'll discuss that question of who created a god we'll discuss that's in the next topic that's not our topic right now so it's not really a question on this topic per se that's a question if i believe in god who created god fine there's, it's a question made stronger because of certain assumptions we're going to speak out, but it has nothing, nothing really to do so much with this point, because the point right now simply is that, do I say the world was created with intelligence or not? And I've made a point logically why it makes sense to say it was intelligence. So now you have another question on that. Okay, we could deal with that. It doesn't undermine the point that we made. The point that we made is that the world came from a designer. If you could, if you could argue on that point, if you can't counteract that point, then we'll have a discussion. But you haven't counteracted that point by saying this. All you've simply said is move the source to the, move the next question. Fine, we'll get there. But right now, all we're coming to do is to say that logically, it makes a lot of sense to assume that if something, if the world has an incredible amount of intelligence, that an intelligent designer created that world. Until you respond to that point, then we're going to assume that that's going to be true. So in short, there are really two options about the creation of the world. Either it's here by accident or design. Again, there's no other options. And both experience and logic tell us that it makes much more rational sense 
to conclude that it came about by design. Again, it's a very simple thing. It only takes overthinking to overcomplicate such a thing, but it's a very simple matter that if you could easily accept this by everything else, a pen, a paper, a table, a computer, anything else in the world uh, that it came by intelligent design, there's no reason why you can't assume that the person, the human being who created all these things came about by intelligent design, and the materials in this world came about by intelligent design, and the entire world, which is much more complex, purposeful, and meaningful, and functional than all those things I just mentioned, also created by, were also created by design. It's a very simple thing. Again, to break it down, it's experience, and logic tells us this, but a simple honesty would say as well that it doesn't make sense to say that the world came about by accident. So now, Fine. As we establish that, I would like to go on to another point, and this is coming to define certain terms and really counter certain arguments that are made. I'm going to, at another point, speak about the arguments in more depth, but for now I'm just going to speak about the definition of purpose and meaning, what we mean when we say that something was clearly designed because it's purposeful or complex or whatever else word we use. What do we mean by that? And just... As it were, we're gonna, as we go on, those, some of their arguments will fall by the wayside, but again, like I said, we'll probably discuss them in more length on some other point. The first thing to point out is that a lot of times you'll find, when you listen to some of these people, these atheists who talk about the world, they'll describe the world in a very interesting way. It's almost a peculiar way. They use the term, when they talk about the world, they say the world has an appearance of design. And what does it mean the world has an appearance of design? Everything has, everything design obviously has an appearance of design. Computer certainly has appearance of design and also has actual design. But what do they mean by that? So, what I mean by that is that it only has an appearance of design, but it doesn't actually mean that it was designed. In other words, it, sh- it looks like it's designed. It can be somebody might make a mistake and think it's designed because of the way it looks, but it's not actually designed. They'll use those term, they'll use that, that terminology to describe. So, well, let's ask the question, what's the difference between appearance of design and actual design? They want to establish or say that the world has an appearance of design, not actual design. Let's define our terms. What do you mean when you say appearance of design? And what do you mean actual design? Do you agree that a computer has appearance of design and actual design? I think they would. Okay, why does a computer have an actual design as opposed to the world has only an appearance of design? Is that simple labeling? Do you just want, I mean, I, I personally think it is, but leaving them aside, leaving that aside for a second, is it simply semantics that you're just able to say appearance of design on the world when there's nothing to actually substantiate what you're saying? Or do you actually have a, a point over here? So in order to answer that, we have to say, we have to answer one does something only have an appearance of design as opposed to actual design. There are others who make a similar point that they say maybe the design of our world is only because of our experience, but not because it is objectively purposeful. In other words, if a monkey would type on a typewriter, he would get gibberish. But let's say that we took that paper for a second and took all the letters, the words, or just guess the letters that he wrote, and we decided that each four letters that the monkey wrote represented a different idea, and we made a new language out of that. So we then, then we would teach this code to others, and now everybody's able to read what this monkey wrote, right? Because I've taught this new code to 20 people, let's say. So now when they look at this, they actually can read something. I've, I've said an A and a F and an L that the monkey wrote. I stop it. I, I say that means a table. And then the next a five and a two and an A and a B means something else. And then they could create a message out of that. So that is, we'll call it purposeful, but nobody's going to argue or functional, let's say, but that nobody's going to argue that the paper was intelligently, intelligently designed. And they want to argue that the same is true for the world. So on its, on, on its surface, it, Sounds like an 
this argument might have some merit, but I think if we think about, think it through for even very short, a very short time, I think it just, it doesn't really much make much sense. So let, let's talk about this point. What's the difference between subjective design and objective design? This is the terminology that I want to use for this. Subjective design and versus objective. Subjective means that appearance of design, same terms, same term as they were using. And objective design means that, no, there actually is design, let's say like a computer. So there are things which like we said, have an appearance of design, but are actually designs. But in the case of typewriter, there was no design. So what's the difference in that? The difference to me is very, very simple. The, the, the way to phrase it is, is there objective purpose or function without human involvement or not? So in the case of the, in the monkeys, if you were to remove human intervention there, the gibberish of the monkeys would remain objectively gibberish. It means nothing. There, there's nothing there to it. What happens is, that we gave it meaning. We came in and we said this and this and this means this. So now we understand that language, we understand that code, and therefore it has meaning. But if you would remove any human involvement, human intervention, it would remain meaningless. So human beings gave it meaning. So that's what, what I'll call subjective design. And you can have that in many, many di- different situations. Of course, subjective design doesn't imply intelligent design, even though to a certain extent it does because the human being's design actually has intelligence, but leaving that point aside, if I were to take something very random and give it design and give it purpose, obviously that doesn't mean that the thing, the actual thing itself was created with a purpose or a functionality. That to me, that is, is obvious. So again, when the monkeys, monkeys type on the typewriter, that doesn't mean that they actually had intelligence. The reason there is because if I'm identifying the intelligence, I can identify it by the human beings. The human beings gave this meaning and purpose, not the monkeys. So no one's going to argue that the monkeys made have any intelligence because what they produced was completely void of intelligence. Now the question is, is that the same thing by the world? Is that what we're doing by the world? Are we looking at the world and saying, this is absolute gibberish, there's nothing here to this, there's no intelligence, it's all gibberish, it makes no sense, the whole thing, completely chaos. But let's make some sense out of this, let's give it a code. Is that what's happening by the world or, or not? So on its surface, it's very, very simple. Obviously it's not. We're not coming in and giving it random subjective design to the world. The, the world has objective design, completely, 100%. If I don't do anything, if I don't intervene at all, then this world has functionality. Now we're going to discuss what this means, functionality. So what do we mean when we say that this world was created with a purpose? And why am I so certain that when I say the world has objective design, that that's true? So the definition, what we're going with right now, is that does the world have functionality? So again, let's divorce any human intervention from this. Let's say human beings did not get involved like they did by the case of the monkey typing on a typewriter. And we just observe the world. They're not actually acting on the world. We're just simply observing the world. Does it have design? So ask yourself the following question. Besides, again, the the term we want to use is, does the world have functionality? So the question is, can this thing we are talking about exist? Let's say functionality in terms of what it accomplishes is going to be the next part. But for the first part is, does can this thing exist? Meaning... Was it made in a way that its existence is maintained? And how exactly does it do it? So again, let's assume that I don't talk about purpose for a second in the sense that what it's accomplishing. But I just see a machine in front of me. I don't know what it does. I have no clue what it does. But I could still see and probably still conclude that it was designed, even though I don't know what it's doing. So again, let's leave aside purpose and what it accomplishes for a second. That's going to be the next point. But for now, just simply looking at this thing and ask myself, it exists. And I, I, I mean, as I show myself and I see that it exists, so I asked myself, how did it come to exist? So can I logically conclude that it was designed or not? 
Well, I think I can. Now, why is that true? The reason why I can, or why I should be able to, is because I have to examine the causes of its existence, all the different variables that bring it into existence, and then I ask myself a similar question, how likely is it that these things all came together randomly? If I look at a machine, I take it apart, I look at all the pieces as individual pieces, and I see that each piece is necessary for the creation of this machine. Now, I look at each individual piece, and I say that, and I can observe that how, without one piece this machine will not exist. Therefore, the question is, is it likely that all these things came together by chance, random accident, that it just happened to create a machine? So even if I don't know what the machine does, for sure if I do know what it does, and I know that it helps human beings, that makes it even stronger. But we'll leave that aside for now. Even if I don't know what it does, I ask myself the simple question, does the fact that this machine exists, considering all the causes and variables and different circumstances it needs to exist, is it likely that it came about by accident, or is it more likely that it was designed? Since I see that these pieces by themselves are just individuals, but you put them together, they create something bigger than themselves. I think I could I could logically conclude that this machine only has functionality, i.e. it only exists with an intelligent design. What are the chances that these, this happened by accident? That all these pieces that the machine needs just happen to come together in the right way by accident. And to me, this is very, very irrational to assume that such a thing happened. I don't care how much time you give it. Now, in this machine, if you remove one of these variables, it means the whole thing won't exist. So the question again becomes, could this have happened by accident? Now, I have to make a point over here that we're going to expand on this point later on, but we have to remember this point that non-existence is the standard. You don't need to explain non-existence because nothing doesn't need a reason for it. You don't need a reason for non-existence. It's just, you need a reason for existence. Now, if the reason for existence had many causes and variables, so then you have to ask yourself, could this have happened by accident or not? And the answer that I think that most of us will logically give is no. So in short, I just want to speak out this point that when we talk about something has purpose, right now we're not asking what it does. That's going to be the next point. We're asking simply right now about functionality. And in that term, in this, in the way we're using it right now, it, it means can this thing exist by accident? And the answer for a machine is no. The answer for a computer is no. And maybe the answer for the world is also no. The second part of this is actually purpose. And by this, we mean as well, what does this thing accomplish? So let me be very careful. We're not asking why something is created. We're asking what does it accomplish? And whether or not it accomplishes something that it was meant to is, is irrelevant right now. Very simple question of what does this thing accomplish? And to add to that, does this thing accomplish existence? Does this thing help itself exist? Does this thing help other people exist? Life. Does this thing bring life or not? And there's a, a lot of reasons why this is the most important thing, but we're, gonna, we're not going to discuss these right now. We'll have to discuss it at a different time. But that's what we're going to focus on. Does this thing bring existence, life or not? So within this, we could ask, does this thing show awareness? And does it objectively accomplish something for something outside of itself? So let's take water, for example. Water objectively allows fewer human beings to live. We can't live without water. There happens to be plenty of water on our planet. In fact, one of the, if not the first thing, maybe the first thing even that scientists look for life on other planets is about water, because water is, a ver is probably the most basic thing human beings need for life. So the question is, what's the likelihood that water was found only on one planet where human beings are found? Now, let me just e explain this point, because I think this is misunderstood. Because many respond the following way. They say, of course we find human beings on this planet. That is because there is water. In other words, we don't see, we don't show, it doesn't show that water was designed for human beings. It's just, if you have a planet that's ripe for life, of course, that's the only place you're going to find human beings. So some even say, and I've actually heard intellectuals say the following thing, believe it or not, is that 
somebody says uh, if you have a puddle and he's the puddle is uh, nesting very nicely in a crack in the in the ground and the puddle says wow look at uh, look how nice it is it's exactly this crack is exactly made for me it's exactly my size exactly my depth it's perfect for me it's mamish it's exactly the proper uh, setting for me my house exactly whatever however exactly the puddle will express itself so obviously that's ridiculous obviously we understand that the puddle can't conclude from the fact that the crack is exactly the same size of the puddle. It's a perfect place for the puddle that the crack was designed for the puddle. So they want to say the same thing about the world. Of course, the world has human beings. That's because the world is this way. Now, this line of thinking is that it's completely off, and there are many reasons why. But the first most basic reason is that we're not coming to prove that the world was created for man. We're simply pointing out that the existence of man is dependent on many different variables, all of which are in existence in one way or another here in this world and not in any other world. And that's actually understandable to a certain extent because... Now, maybe maybe they're right that the only reason we find humans is because of the water. Okay, so they're right that the water came first and therefore we find human beings. But I still would ask the question, considering how many variables and circumstances it takes for human beings to exist, water being one of them but not limited to that, what are the odds that it happened by accidents? Are you willing to accept these odds? All these things that are in our world, water, air and so on and so forth, all these things that allow us to exist, they all have a discernible purpose in the sense of what they accomplish. And we're talking about what it accomplishes, not what it was, not the motivation for the one who created it was. We're talking about simply what does it accomplish. It's apparent that water, air, sunlight, food, all these things that our world has in abundance accomplish one thing, or multiple things, but certainly one thing, which is giving life to human beings and all other life forces on this planet. The puddle could exist without the crack. Human beings cannot exist without the world. There are so many variables that are all needed to come together for human beings to exist. And it so happens that our world has all of them. So the question is, are you willing to accept that all these variables came about through an accident or not? So there's nothing to do with a puddle and a crack. The puddle and the crack came about because the crack, however a crack was there, but the puddle just entered into the crack. But the puddle doesn't need any anything, any shape the crack would have been, the puddle would have been that shape as well. That's nothing to do with the world and human beings. The world is as if it was designed, I'll, I'll say that because we're in the midst of discussing this, but the world has all these things that all accomplish giving life to human beings, objectively. Objectively accomplish that they give life to human beings. Water, air, the trees create air, the trees put food, the ground has food in it. It's, it's just plant the ground, the water, the air, and the sun all come together to create food that feeds human beings. Again, is that all subjective? Is that all something that is only designed because we made it designed? Is that simply like the monkeys and the typewriters that were giving meaning and were giving purpose to that? Or is that objective? To me, it seems that it's very, very objective. So the question is, so we know for sure that it accomplishes something. And we're not asking ultimately what is accomplished, we know that it gives life to human beings. So the question then becomes, are you willing to accept that this was done by accident? The sun, water, air are intrinsically needed for the existence of man. Again, are you willing to say that this was all by accident? Especially the more we look down, we, we look into the science of things and we break down each thing as, as, an, as, as this going into its parts, into the DNA, into other things. The smaller parts we break it down, it becomes more and more like that machine analogy that we gave, which is all the parts are needed to create this certain thing. And other, many, many under circumstance, other circumstances, it would not have created this thing. And the question is, are you willing to accept that it happened by accident? So in short, the many parts of the world have clearly objective purpose in a sense that they very obviously contribute to the existence of living things. It's an objective function purpose. It's object, it's objectively accomplished something. It has nothing to do with subjective 
Uh, it's nothing to do with an appearance of design. It is, it does have an appearance design. The reason why it has an appearance of design is because it is designed. It's clearly very obviously functional, purposeful in the sense of what it accomplishes. And those things always show intelligence unless you're willing to swallow the fact that it was all by accident that all happens to be there. Again, is it impossible? No. But if you're talking rationally, logically, I think it's pretty clear that one would say that this is pretty clearly designed. Now, it's the same type of thing that other others say. Just one other point is that it's really just an addition, but I, I've heard philosophers even use this argument, so I'm just going to address it, that if if rocks break randomly into pieces and you take a piece of it and use it for something, that obviously does not mean that it was intelligently designed. Just, so they're trying to show that just because something has purpose doesn't mean it was designed. So that's what they want to argue. They want to argue the same thing for the world. Just because it has a function doesn't mean that it was designed. So the answer, again, is very simple. If we've understood what we just said in the past 10 minutes, it's very, very clear. Of course, we're able to arbitrarily ascribe purpose to anything. We could take anything and use it for something. But since when does that mean that all purpose is arbitrarily ascribed? Just because I'm able to take something random and turn it, make it useful, doesn't mean that things that are clearly useful and are clearly objectively accomplish things. And purposeful means that they're also arbitrarily ascribed and they're also random. Just because you take anything doesn't take away the fact that there are certain things that are like that. Absence of human intervention, does water keep us alive? It does. Can we use it to spray people with? Yes. But how does that detract from the fact that it keeps people alive? It doesn't make a difference. Yes, you could arbitrarily ascribe purpose to anything. Fine. But that has no bearing on the fact that when we can recognize objective design, it means that there is objective design. Or are we willing to accept the fact that water keeps us alive by accident? That the water is needed for the ground and the ground needs the for the ground and the ground needs the and it also needs the sunlight and it needs the grain and all those things together come and create a food that helps sustain mankind is that all accident that's a very simple question is that it's certainly not arbitrary design because they all objectively accomplish something it's not ascribed design we're not taking it's not like the rock case that we're just randomly making something that's not purposeful into purposeful nothing to do with this this is objective purpose in the sense of what it accomplishes so, again, a very simple question. Is this accidental or purposeful? Which one is it? So, in short, we're going to conclude this point, and I think it's very fair to say that the most logical and rational conclusion to, to draw from our world is that it was created by something of intelligence as opposed to something come about randomly. Again, there's many, many other arguments. The more you study the world, the more you see how much more sense this makes. We're going to get more into the details, but just for now... Again, I said at the beginning that it was very simple, and I and I still and I think it is very simple. Notwithstanding the arguments other people make, I think a lot of them just miss the point. A lot of them just not really addressing what they should be addressing. It's a very very simple question: Are you willing to assume that the world is random, accidental, came out of chaos, or was designed? And again, if you by everything else you would assume that it was designed. Anything else, the functionality, you don't ask the question, well, maybe a car is not functional. Maybe a car's function is for something else. Again, these are questions that I've heard from philosophers. I'm just dealing with them sort of backhandedly, but nobody asks such a question when it comes to that question. If I ask you, is a car purposeful or not? Nobody questions the nature of purposefulness. Maybe it's not really purposeful. We're just arbitrarily ascribing purposeful. Nobody thinks so philosophically in that because it's very simple. And the same thing about the world. The world is very simple. It clearly has a designer. exclusive content on Patreon. You can submit your question and get them answered only for members on Patreon. Don't forget to check out our own website msofterra.com and remember, we are wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Subscribe to know when the next episode is being released. The podcast is produced 
bei Ellie Podcast Productions.